Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. We are back to a full lineup today, so we have uh, Sleeping Beauty back to uh, back to join us again. Hello, Griff. Hello, Joe. It's good to be back. It's good to have you back, mate. Uh, we are also joined by Mr. Andy Stafford. Andy, hello. How are we? Really, Joe? Not too bad. How are you? Good. I'm not bad, mate. Not bad. Nearly the weekend. We're a week to playoffs. Everything to it. Everything to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, we're joined by Mr. David Grant. Hello, Dave. What on earth was that noise? I'm not what sure. What earth was that noise? However, good evening, mate, and good evening, everyone else. <laughs> good evening. I was waiting for Greff's little victory dance then. He's got to celebrate, has he? Well, that's true. Right, um, no, it's true. He doesn't Sorry, have Greff. anything to celebrate. So, speaking of celebrations from the last week, uh, there's been a lot going on in the Elite League. Um, Coventry beat Manchester 4-1 in Manchester to kick Manchester out of the playoffs. We'll start off with that one just for you, Greff. Um, Dundee beat Guildford in a 4-3 shootout, uh, shootout win, so that's you know, nice close game. Um, and then we had Coventry beat Cardiff 3-1, going against the odds uh, to crown Belfast the league ta- uh, the league champions. Um, what are the highlights from the last week, guys? Um, uh, Belfast winning and celebrating the league title at an awards ceremony. Um and fair place uh, to them. Um, yeah, I was waiting uh, to see somebody keg stand. Like, <laughs> yeah. Do the Ovechkin and keg stand the, uh, <laughs> the trophy. Guys, the bar's been set. You've got to hit it. You've just failed. Um, no, on a serious point, um, Coventry, uh, you know, defying the odds. Um, on a game I didn't mind much, you know, they, like as you mentioned, they knocked out Manchester the night before. Um, so they didn't have much to play for, just who were going to play in the next round. Um but you know, fair play. Also, you know, a little, little nod to Milton Keynes, um, their final game, and uh, a good atmosphere in the rink for a game that had nothing to play for. Um, watch the webcast. Um, in fairness, they've been a decent webcast, but I've watched them over the last two years. Um, and uh, yeah, um, you know, fair play, Milton Keynes still trying, nothing to play for. Um, they were my highlights this weekend. I think my highlights would probably be the Belfast Dundee game. It was like. 4-4 to like the third period and then Belfast got the fifth goal and then obviously they got the sixth goal which is an empty now eight seconds from time for Dundee to keep Belfast at bay for pretty much most of the game that was a I'd say that was a hell of a game for them I mean I'd also give props to Matt Hackett great weekend he's had unfortunately for us but yeah I could have had many to choose from. There's been so many good things happening this week. Uh, but one thing, one game I've chosen is the Guildford Flames-Dundee Stars game, where Dundee won 4-3 uh, on a shootout. Uh, and I, I go from Craig Garrigan, one of the young, one of the, one of the young Brits. Uh, got a really nice penalty shot. Uh, and not much to play for for Dundee, but still a really good win against a really good team like Guildford. Uh, I think as a final game, it, it, it's a good one to go out on. Is that the penalty shot that's been doing the rounds on social media in North America, spitting chicklets to job lot? I think that was uh, Jamie Crooks, the Guildford, yeah. There's one that, because he pulled off the Kachera move. The no move move, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and it's like spitting chicklets, uh, bar down, they've all been there. It's had some uh, fair coverage. It was a nice goal from Crooks. It was, yeah. It was very nice, very nice. Um, for me, uh, Gref, I really hate to say it, and in that I don't because it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> but it's gotta be, it's gotta be the Manchester Coventry game. 
have to say um, it was a bit of a weird one because anybody who was kind of rooting for, for Belfast for the league kind of thought, if anything, I've got to admit, I thought that was it. I thought, you know, Coventry haven't really got a great deal to play for now in that last game. They've, they've affirmed their place in the playoffs with that. Um, so to still come out in the Cardiff game, brilliant. Uh, but yeah, a 4-1 win in Manchester in such an important game uh, shows great character from Coventry, particularly with a very, very rocky season. They've obviously been very, very Jekyll and Hyde, um, you know, very 50-50. Matt Hackett has done a stellar job since he's come in. Uh, maybe a bit of a shaky start in his first couple of games, but then after that, really showing, you know, the pedigree of goalie that he is. And um, yeah, I mean, you look at it, to be fair, I mean, they were 2-0 up 11 minutes 45 into their game. Uh, M- Manchester were technically, <laughs> were, were basically out of playoffs 11 minutes 45 into that game when they went 2-0 up. Obviously, the, the final result was 4-1. Um, both goalies with some, some you know, great game. Um, 33 saves for um, Matt Hackett. And then by the looks, it's 32 saves for Matt Ginn. So a good game for both goalies. Manchester going five, uh, 0 for 5 on the power play. Uh, so some good special team play from Coventry. So by all accounts, I mean, Gref, uh, presumably you would have been at the game, so you could probably say more. Um, maybe a bit of a daft question to say, was it a good game? But by all accounts, it sounds like Coventry pulled out all the stops. It was a, I'd say, yeah, it was a good game if it was if you're a Coventry fan. They looked like they wanted it more. They were winning the 50-50s every time. So it, until like the third period, it we didn't look like we wanted that playoff spot, unfortunately. A few players did look like it, but not all the team did. It's unfortunate, but it's how the season's been for us, unfortunately. <laughs> We've had uh, not consistent enough the full season. Yeah, there's been a lot of teams, to be fair, that have been the same. I mean, you missed out very, very narrowly. Um, a lot of teams, a lot of teams, I say, very Jekyll and Hyde, very 50-50. Um, you guys just, you know, just came short. Um, I mean, boys, to be fair, I mean, we were in the last weekend of, this, of, of the of the Elite League this year. We've all just picked out a completely different game for the highlights. So I think it shows every team playing right up until that last game, whether there's things to, whether you know, whether it's a game to play for, whether it's just a case of you're playing to fit, to close the season on a high. I think that I think that speaks volumes for the kind of weekend that it's been. Um, yeah, not really a great deal to say more than that. But speaking of speaking volumes as to the weekend it's been, unless David looks like you were going to say something then. I was just I was going to ask a couple of questions. One to everyone and one to Griff from Ticker. We'll go to everyone. If, if when you went about the, the stuff to play for, and I know we mentioned it a couple of times uh, last week that that's what the league wanted, but now we kind of we've seen it for the first time. In a long time, the Elite League's had a lot to play for. Not just one set of teams, so like one fixture, but a lot of fixtures had a lot to ride on. And that's, a, that's the type of product we want as, as, as hockey fans, not as fans of the team involved. Separate that because that's a complete different... You don't want to be the nervy, the nervy games. Um, but that's the type of hockey in the season that we wanted in the league, aren't we? 100%. 100%. Uh, you, look at, you look back at seasons where... You know, teams win the league early doors when there's, when there's a few weeks left. Um, you know, when you see teams well and truly shut out of the playoffs with a few weeks left. It's hard to see. I mean, to be fair, if anything, the news coming out of MK, obviously with them looking like they're going to drop down to a, to the NAHL A division or whatever they're going to call it, it's almost given their 
you know, the latter part of their season, a bit more purpose um, with nothing against MK, but you look at the point difference, you know, they didn't, they weren't playing for a playoff spot, but they were playing to close their elite season on a high. So it, it really has in that respect, it really has panned out quite well as a whole across the league because every single game has been played, you know, full intensity. It's been played fully. And as you know, there's not been a great deal of games in the last few weeks of the season that have been boring. It's 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 great to see. I there's not much I can say now apart from echo what Joseph said. It was it's as a fan of the sport, you'd love it. But as a fan of the team that's involved in it, you you're biting your nails. You're sitting on the edge of your seat. You're like, oh god, what's going to happen? Can we do this? At least you won't be wondering about it in Nottingham, though. No, team bunkers. <laughs> it's freed up your weekend next weekend, mate. You can come watch the Steelers game. See a big daily play. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> It'll be a bit easier now the game's on Saturday for you. No, it's freed up my time so I can spend some time at home. Fair play. About family time. In fairness, he's not going to have much over the next six, seven weeks, are you? No. Spend his time at home. Does that mean just sat in the rink at Altrincham, just like stroking his jersey, just like, no, it's okay, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> It'll be August soon. Uh, but just going on to the second question, was, was to Gref, and, and I know we we like to mock each other in our teams, and okay, you get the brunt of it, um, being the only Manchester fan. But obviously, last hey. year, the, the the last year you had a great season in terms of finish second. Did that kind of spike the expectations realistically for what the Storm can do? Obviously, the previous years, they were just getting the playoffs and then you had a fantastic year. Did that spike anything or was it this year really the uh, you know down-to-earth bump that maybe your guys needed so that everyone is realistic and can challenge properly next year? I think it was the down-to-earth bump. I mean, I tweeted about this to, I think it was possibly Lewis last, last season we pretty much exceeded expectations. We pretty much did like a lesser city without winning an actual trophy. Whilst this season, as they did the season after they won the, the Premiership, we've not done as we did as well as we did last year. But it's the, a bump down to earth. So hopefully it's it won't happen again next season, but who knows what the players will bring in. Following on from that, I mean, uh, last year we saw a bit of a shock in, obviously, you guys, it was, it was second in the league that you finished, wasn't it? And then you got bumped out of the playoffs by, was it Fife? Yep. So, hopefully, I mean, well, for a start, hopefully we're going to see a second V7th uh, <laughs> result similar to that this year. But um, on a side note, would you have rather had the end result of this season, not making playoffs, not having those hopes to make it to Nottingham, or would you have rather had it like last year, where you're on an absolute high, you're buzzing, your team's done absolutely outstanding throughout the season, and then all of a sudden you're getting into that, you know, one, two games away from playing in Nottingham, and then it's bump, no, completely out of it. Would you have rather had the, the expectations of making Nottingham or be in the position you're in now, where it's just done and dusted? That's a bit of a hard question. <laughs> I'd probably, I, as much as I did love last year, I've I preferred this season a lot more just for the competitiveness of the actual league itself. I mean, I think last year we beat 
we only lost to Cardiff once whilst this season. I think we've only beat them once or twice. So that's shown how much has changed over the over the season. And I think we probably only beat you about twice last season. Whilst this season we've done it a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, talking about the lows and highs of the league, um, there's been a significant high for one particular team. Belfast Giants obviously came out on top. Uh, they came out with that all-new brand spanking shiny league trophy that looks perfectly fit for a keg stand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, obviously Belfast come out on top. Um, it was very much in Cardiff hands going into Sunday. Um, what do we think, guys? It, it was. I mean, I know that most of us said we were rooting for Belfast just because we didn't want to see another team that wasn't ours do a three-peat. Um, but what do we think? What a, what a close to the season. Uh, I'm not going to say that I predicted it spot on, um, but I did. Um, so did but, I. I'll, I'll hold my hand up. I oh, also, okay, I also okay. predicted that. Oh, yeah. But one of the questions that came in, um, which is probably right for this conversation now, uh, from, from Joe, one of our regular listeners uh, over in Belfast, is... I thought you were talking about me then. No, not you. So no, that's the question. We're not, we're not getting the confusion again. Don't worry. Um, is did Belfast win the league, or actually did Cardiff throw it away? Oh. I'm, I'm going first. I'm going on. The, I'm going to go towards Cardiff throwing it away. If you look at the lead, lead, and you look at everything they had, and please, I'm going to Belfast fans, listen. Don't get triggered. Please listen to the whole bit because it seems everyone mentioned this. That word has come out on social media today, but I think Cardiff did throw it away. If you look at the lead they had and, and the, um, the the game and their running they had, they realistically should have won and should have sealed the deal. That free peak should have been theirs. If you look at the last three away games, they were against teams down at the bottom of the league and they picked up not a single point. Just one point in 180 minutes they could have got their league champions. But why I think they've thrown it away to counterbalance that is the way Belfast have played, the way they've kept the pressure, the way they kept on at Cardiff's ankles to make, to wait for them to make the mistake. And if if you think about it, Belfast was under the pressure when they played us a couple of weeks ago because had they lost and Cardiff won, Cardiff would have won the league title. So I think, you know, for me, Belfast have, have, have done well to keep on the pressure, keep on at the, uh, the Devils and wait for that chance and they took it with both hands. That's, that's, that, I, I, that's, that's where I lean in terms of that discussion. What do you guys think? I, yeah, I'd probably say it's, before you even jump in there, Joe, something that we're pretty much well-known for over here at the moment. It looked more like a, a bottle job in that last game. It's, I mean, what can you really say? You, you needed one point, and obviously they didn't get it. I mean, especially when the last few games you had Dundee, MK commentary. It's you'd you'd expect them to get more than the, the just the two points that they got, especially when they went. I'd say with the the travel to Dundee, obviously it's not really good for them because it's a bit of a distance, so that might have taken to effect in that game. But when they played against commentary, did I think the a game just went to the tra- the the bid, we'll say. <laughs> well moderated. Yeah, I'm I'm about there. I think Cardiff 
threw it away more than when Belfast win it. Um, kind of have so many chances to put that trophy in the back pocket. I mean, some good some good opposition. I'll admit that, but they also had chances to win it, and they could have been, and they could have won that. Um, I don't know whether it's pressure or the, or the or the team just wanted it more, but you know they had they had so many chances to firmly win that trophy. But um, like Gress said, when they played Coventry um, last weekend, all they needed was one point. If they could have forced that game to overtime, they'd been ahead by one point. But you know, um, fair fair play to Belfast. You know they've, they've been pounding all season. They've been cashing them up and, and they've won the games that, they, that, they, that they've had to, to especially those important regulation wins uh, to make sure the trophy's back in Belfast and uh, great for them and also fitting that it was uh, on the awards night and I'm sure it's pretty tense in that room, uh, refreshing the phones every, every 30 seconds but uh, no, it's great for them and, and, and a great night to win it on Refreshing the phones and refreshing the bar tabs no doubt afterwards <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh... I'm kind of on the fence with this one. I don't. It's it's kind of it's hard to say. I mean, the thing is, it would have been so easy for Belfast to just you know to just lay down when you looked at some of the gaps that, that Cardiff had at points. Um, it would have been easy for Belfast to just look at it and go, you know, it's, it's far too long, too you know, it's far too big a gap for us to bridge. Um, but they carried on driving. They carried on keeping that pressure. They just kind of sat there in the background a lot of the time and, uh, you know, just worked their way up slowly, closed the gap. And then they had the game in Sheffield. And my God, at that point in the game in Sheffield, I have to admit, after all the games that we'd seen this season, seeing the Steelers lose in the arena, and that was the one game that if you were rooting for Belfast to win the league and you came out of that game kind of going, we've got the two points, but we may have just ended Belfast's chances of, of winning the league. And then they bring it back. And then Cardiff go into the arena and Cardiff come out two points less than they expected to be going in. And it, it it was just such a it was just such a game of cat and mouse by the end of the by the end of the year. I don't think you could put a finger on it. If I had to lean one way, I have to admit I'd probably lean the way of of saying Cardiff losing it rather than Belfast winning it. Um Belfast have done a stellar job. I mean, you don't get two teams on ninety two points if they've not played outstanding throughout the year. They said, Let, let's, let's make no mistakes. There was a 22-point gap between second and third. That is insane. And there's, there's no other way around that. That is crazy. Um, you know, I mean, Belfast had 45 wins. Cardiff had 43, but with a couple of extra overtime losses. You then jump down in wins. Nottingham had 29 wins. It, it, it just shows why Cardiff and Belfast with the top two in the league. Um, but certain things just make me lean that way and make it, me lean more towards Cardiff losing it. You look at the game in Belfast. Belfast take all four points from the double header weekend, Cardiff against Belfast. All right, Cardiff come out with one point. If Ben Bounds hadn't flicked that puck in his own net, had he gone over the line? I know there was some debate as to whether it went over the line, but if Ben Bounds had just kept his glove on that puck, Cardiff would have a league, to- league trophy right now. And then you look at other games, and there's been a couple of times, I mean, some of the other goals in that in, in the game beforehand that Belfast won, just silly defensive errors, turning it over six foot in front of their own net. Little things like that that just looked like when the pressure was really on, when, when they were really under the cosh, 
you know, they just gave a little bit and Belfast pounced on that. And then obviously you go into the final weekend, Sunday, absolutely nothing Belfast can do. It's not a case of Belfast need to win this game. Belfast weren't even playing. Cardiff come out with a point, they win the league. One minute left in the game, or sorry, one minute and one second left in the game. It's 2-1. All Cardiff need is to hit the back of the net once in that last minute and then hold off for the rest of the game and the league's theirs. So just little things like that make me lean more towards saying it was Cardiff to lose. Um, but either way, I mean, not, nothing can detract from the stellar season that Cardiff and Belfast have both had. No, they've both had fantastic seasons. I mean, with Belfast, for me, I think it showed their character and and very much an Adam Keefe style team in the respects of never giving up, never, you know, until there's no hope. And they they showed throughout their uh, their season that just keeping on the heels, keeping their keeping thereabouts, they'll take the chance. Um, and they they have, but like I said, with Cardiff, I mean, any other season, 92 points gets you a league title. Um, and, and that's a team that's that has been great to watch. Um, so, you know, fair, fair play. I mean, great competition, great contest between two good teams. Um, you know, it must be heartbreaking for Cardiff to lose another league title on regulation wins again. Um, it's, you don't get closer to, to winning a title than that in terms of tiebreak. But I, either way, you know, commiserations, but, you know, well done on a great season, Cardiff. Congratulations to the Giants. Um, uh, first time in five years they've uh, taken the the Monty Bowl 2.0. Obviously now it's a new trophy. Um, the Kegstand Trophy. The Kegstand Trophy. Um, but now you know them both sides have set the standard for this season, and all the other teams now know where the bar is in terms of where they need to be to get in the top two to want to challenge for a title. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one other thing that I'll highlight just before we move on from um, the league title, um, you, you look at Cardiff over the last few seasons, you know, they've always been one of their teams up there. Uh, you know, when, whenever the Steelers have been playing them, it's always been the game to win. You need to beat Cardiff. If you've got a chance of winning the league, Cardiff are the team to beat, whether that's early season, whether that's towards the end of the season, if you're in the top two or three, Cardiff have always been that team to beat over the last four or five seasons. This year, Cardiff lose out on the league by a point. Obviously, the year before that, Cardiff win the league. The year before that, Cardiff win the league. The, the year before Cardiff won that first league title, the Steelers won the league in the last game in Kakodi. And yet another year where Cardiff were one game away from taking a league title. Let's also not forget that Cardiff were also one game away last year no not last year so the year before last they were one game away from also adding the playoffs to that as well which was that would that be in a grand slam or was it belfast that won the conference that year I can't belfast remember. won the conference but they would have got the uh the they'd have got the trophies. triple they would have yeah. they would, you know that is an outstanding four or five seasons for cardiff but belfast as you say belfast have crept up nicely and uh my God, as I say, 92 points each, a 22-point gap is just, just phenomenal. It really, really is. Um, the other thing that we got out of the weekend just gone was obviously a confirmation as to the teams that are slash aren't, sorry, Gref, in playoffs. Um, so, Gref, would you like to tell us a little bit more about the teams that made playoffs this year? 
don't know, we didn't make it, so it's fine. <laughs> I'm not paying attention now to Elite League Hockey until next weekend. Yeah, well, we'd, we'd just like to highlight the fact that actually this week we have a, a, a the chance at least, we never know what he'll answer, but we have a chance at least of a My Fancy Zamboni first of Gref going both games for a prediction this week without saying Manchester. Um, oh no, there's still a chance. <laughs> To be fair, mate, when we were running off the players of the the, the players of the, the the player awards last week, and every single player award, I went, well, I think we can all assume Greth's going to say at least one Manchester player, and I, I think there was only one award that you didn't say a Manchester player for. You even said Matt Ginn as netminder of the year. Yeah, but the thing that yeah, baffled yeah, me was that one, you missed yeah. the most blatantly obvious one. You didn't even, you didn't say Mike Hammond. Oh, he went in my all-star team. Fair play. Fair play. Well, anyway, um, well, I'll tell you what, then. If Gref's not going to do it, I'll give a rundown as to, as to the teams <laughs> that have made playoffs. So, um, the way that it works out, and I'll give the matchup as well uh, in a second. Belfast, Cardiff, Nottingham, Glasgow, Guildford, Fife, Sheffield and Coventry have all qualified for the playoff quarters this year. Obviously, that makes Manchester, Dundee and Milton Keynes as the three teams that haven't qualified um, the matchups will therefore be first v eighth will be Belfast versus Coventry second v seventh will be Cardiff versus Sheffield third v sixth will be Nottingham against Fife and then the fourth v fifth game will be Glasgow versus Guildford what do we think is the matchups was this kind of how we expected it I can't remember what our predictions were at the start of the year to be fair as to the three teams that wouldn't make it. I'm pretty sure I said two of the three teams, but I'm not 100% sure. I think um, most of us got two of the three. I think we uh, we got the Dundee and Coventry one, sort of. We both most mainly said Coventry to not make it, with Dundee to make it. And that's the one that we've uh, the majority of us didn't uh, call. Yeah, um, beginning that's, of the that's year. my recollection. I, I, I thought we'd, all, we'd most mainly said Manchester and MK to not make it. I seem to remember saying Coventry to not make it, but regardless of the predictions anyway at the start of the year, what do we think as to the way it's panned out? What do we think to the matchups? And you know, we're certainly in for a good couple of weeks of hockey to, to close the season. As daft it sounds, I don't think they're all cut out. I don't think they're all because of how and how the fixtures have landed. I don't think they're all kind of you can say that's going to happen. That's going to happen. Whereas before the previous season, kind of gone, yeah, that result will happen regardless. I mean. Let's start with the first the eighth, Belfast Coventry. Um, now, obviously, the ha- the top four get home advantage. However, Belfast, for whatever reason, chose to have their first game, sort of their home game as the first leg. Um, so then they've got to go to Coventry the day after to to confirm their spot in Nottingham. <sighs> You'd like to say that Belfast should walk it, in with all respect to Coventry, but. The way Coventry went last year, last weekend to, to prevent Cardiff from confirming a final four spot. Um, and it's been a while since Coventry been to the final four. At, uh, I'm not sure you can call it, if I'm honest. I I would probably say Belfast would probably win that one. But it depends on how, how their bodies are after probably a few days of partying after winning the league. So it's going to be an interesting tie. I don't think there's really one tie 
in the actual all the playoff games there, that's you're gonna go right. They're winning that one easy, you know. I've seen it on Twitter through the rounds. Who do you think's gonna make it? And I I just couldn't come up with it because it's gonna be. I think there's gonna be at least one upset probably. And who knows what game that could be? It's gonna be a tough one. You're not suggesting that Belfast maybe celebrated the league win like the Washington Capitals celebrate the Stanley Cup, are you? I don't really think Blair Riley's got the the Ovechkin type to do it. He might try, but I don't really think he can go that hard. It's a shame they're not in Salzburg. One of them could go swimming through the fountain. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose the only thing in Belfast, amongst everything else, is Coventry have got to travel twice. And it's an old tactic of Jared Adams when he was coach of Cardiff. He would always get Cardiff to play home first, get them to travel down there, then back. Cardiff only have to travel once. So a very similar kind of... I'm not saying they've done it that reason. Um, but that logic can come into play here. So I suppose if you, for me, that for, for 1v8, if you've got to put money on it, I'd probably say Belfast by two goals. I think Belfast, uh, again, I, I don't think it'll be, it'll be a close one. I mean, look at like, the uh, rosters for both. And Coventry, at best, got probably one solid line on them. And... Belfast, three or four. You know, Belfast has got some amazing players in there, and uh, I think the play the playoffs will bring the best out with those players as well. If, if they're not being great during the season, which they have been, they've been fantastic. I think they're going to be even better uh, in the playoffs. So uh, yeah, Belfast for me, but a, a very close game. It's a hard one to call. Um, Coventry have already upset one. Um, <laughs> they've already upset with one result this year um, nothing to say they can't do it over two games <clears throat> as you say Dave Belfast have got the advantage I think in this one particularly with it being you know the travel over uh, obviously to Belfast it's a little bit different than driving down to Cardiff or driving up to Fife um, you know there's a, there's a lot more travel involved getting on a plane uh, could take it out on you a lot more than sitting on the bus um, I know a lot of players say they'd rather do the bus travel than go on a plane. Um, obviously, you get a lot more disruptions with the airport travel and things like that. So I, I think Belfast have got a decent advantage coming out of the fact they've got that first game. They're coming off a high. I, I mean, it, it depends on the way that they come off that high, whether they come off it as a kind of, you know, they're up here and then the, the, the last two games are a bit of an anti-climax where maybe everything catches up on them or whether they're still riding the high from winning the league. I'd probably say the latter. I'd expect Belfast to do it, but I wouldn't put money on it. I wouldn't be going against Coventry to uh, to upset the bandwagon there. I, I think it could go either way, but I'd, put, I'd say Belfast. I think the only thing we can guarantee won't happen is at the end of the second leg, Coventry won't be playing the Belfast goal music as it did when they beat Cardiff. <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna see Scorch doing an Irish jig in the middle of the ice again. <laughs> yeah. Now one of one of the other things that I'd say will make a difference in it as well. I mean it's, it's one of the big things that we've seen all season um is is the goaltending side of things. Um Coventry have had really quite a good latter part of the season. Um Matt uh, not Matt Jin even uh, Matt Hackett has come in and uh, no, we won't be seeing Matt Jin at playoffs. We'll be, we'll be good. Um, Matt Hackett you never has know come so in. 
Um, he's played, yeah, he's going to be the next Brian Stewart walking around. Fucking <laughs> uh, <laughs> bunkers are getting smashed. Um, Hackett's come in. I mean, his stats don't look great. He's got a 3.39 goals against average. Um, he's got an 89.3% save percentage. So his stats don't necessarily look great, but he's played some good games recently. Um, if he can be on his game, if best goes, is best go back off injury now? I'm, I'm kind of confused. Yeah, he yes, played against yeah. us, didn't he? In the, um, in that away game. So yeah, if best goes yes. on his game, um, if Hackett's on his game, those two could really, really be a big difference maker. But obviously then you look at Belfast and is you already saying, I mean, Darcy Murphy, Kyle Bowne, Patrick Dwyer, Jordan Smotherman, what a gem of a, of a mid-season signing. He's proven to be, so they've really, really got some top scorers in, on that team. Um, you know, Coventry are really, really going to be looking towards their top scorers to, to contest. Yeah, but one thing to say, you know, I think that'd be one of the key battles is the goal, the one, but the playoffs is a new season. And you'll say that in every fixture because that will be the big battle in every fixture is which goalie turns up, which goalie can win them a couple of games. Um, and if Hackett can do that, like he has done recently, who knows? Yeah, there's a huge difference, a absolutely colossal difference between who can come out top on 60 games and who can come out top on two. And that's uh, that's one thing that people don't always look to at playoffs um, is you've got to win two games. That's it. That's all you've got to do. No, that's it. It's, it's very much you make a mistake in game one and you are you've not got 50 games to catch up. You're already looking at the the Mount Everest at the very top and you can't see it. It's a uh, it's a short and sweet campaign in the in the quarters, but that also makes the British playoffs that little bit more unique to everywhere else. It certainly does. We'll uh, we'll come back to the the formatting of the playoffs in a short while. Um, the next matchup, obviously, that we've got would be Cardiff Sheffield. Um, I know that we've got a question on was it Twitter or Facebook? They we've got a question that kind of relates to this matchup. Um, so I'll, I'll let I'll I'll let Dave introduce the question once he's got it, and then obviously we can discuss that matchup. <laughs> Okay, and it's uh, from Charlie in Belfast. Thank you very much for for tweeting in. Um, with Cardiff missing out on the league title, will their mindset change heading into the playoffs? Uh, and does that make it that little bit more difficult for Sheffield to to get through to the final four? So if I if I'm reading it right, is will the loss of the title as close as they did will that make it even more difficult? Will that really spur on the Devils? Um, for me, I look at it two ways. The Devils are going to be a wounded animal. That's going to hurt them, being so close and just falling short. Um, so they're going to go out all guns blazing to win something. But then the pressure's on them. They've had the great season we mentioned, and they have, and no one can take away with that. But they fell short in two of the three campaigns, ignoring the conference title for a second. But they fell short. Semi-final against Glasgow in the Chance Cup, obviously by regulation wins against Belfast. This is the only chance that a season... That if we're all honest, what they've done deserves silverware. It's their last chance. So the pressure's on them. And as much as I've said that the wounded animal thing, of any time to play the Devils, it probably is best at the quarterfinals because of the pressure to make Nottingham. If they make Nottingham, then they've got that buzz of making the final four and they've, they've, they've achieved something. No pressure's on Sheffield. There's no expectation from Sheffield. As much as they all say, and rightfully so, that they still think they can compete in this, these two games, the results, apart from the last league game, speak for themselves. They've not been, they've not been really close. They've been quite 
wide results, victories for the, for the Devils. Again, though, can Jackson Whistle, in the battle of the, the GB goalies, pull off two wins against Ben Bounds? I'd like to say he can. I'd like to say he can, but I'm not so sure. Only because, not because of him, because for me, I think he's been Sheffield's player of the season. I think it's the team around him that may prevent him doing that. Yeah, I'd, I'd say Cardiff will win the, the playoff matchup, but I would say it would be like a blowout or anything. I think it'd be really close. I played him, for you guys played him now, you'll be going in as like pretty much the underdogs after the season you've had. It'll be a great time to play Cardiff because obviously they had, they've lost out on regulation wins the league title only just last week so I think Andrew Lord's probably had a good few training sessions with him this week and just drilled them out of what errors they would have made last weekend and hopefully get some back play into the top form that they should have been playing I think losing a title will only spur them on to, uh, to blow a really good result off here uh, in both legs. And um, I mean, Sheffield, Sheffield have had a problem all season. One of them, uh, D, they haven't been very strong in D. They've been relied on Jackson Whistle for many, many games and he's, he's won them a lot of those games as well. And, and the main one scoring output, probably two or three guys on that Sheffield team that are consistent scorers uh, and they are players that are not divided on all four lines. So I think scoring again is going to be a bit of an issue. Um, yeah, so I can't see anyone but Cardiff uh, winning both legs. I, I'm 50-50 on this one as well. It's difficult to say, and, it, and that really shows how close it, it comes when it gets down to those that final eight, when it gets down to the playoff hockey. Um you look at Cardiff run, uh, they've won three from the last five, which realistically from a form perspective for Cardiff is actually on the bad side. They you know, you don't there's not been many weekends or many runs of five games where you've seen Cardiff come out with two losses and three wins. Generally speaking, I mean they were up four or five wins every five games. Um the last time they matched up with Sheffield, they lost five four. Um so you know, if if, if, if if there's any end to the season from Sheffield's perspective that they could want to set themselves up properly for the game against Cardiff, it's probably that getting that last win will have given them that nice bit of confidence. They're playing in Sheffield first, so same kind of comments as with regards to Belfast. They do get the benefit of, you know, they only have one travel day. So essentially, obviously, Cardiff have got to travel up to Sheffield on the Saturday play that game, and then both teams have got to travel down to Cardiff to play that game. So in essence, Cardiff, in a sense, playing two like playing two away games, in a sense, in in, in respect of travel. Uh, but obviously, then again, Cardiff get the benefit of, if it goes to overtime, they have the home advantage in overtime. They've obviously, they're going to know the kind of, if, if they've got a deficit from Sheffield, they're going to know the deficit that they've got to make back in their own building. They're going to have their own fans there to spur them on. If they've got a win, they're going to have their own fans there to spur them on to uh, to keep hold of that, you know, the lead. So it's hard to say, and 
with regards to the, the you know the end result, the last game result for Cardiff, they've ended the season on a loss. Not only have they ended the season on a loss, they've ended it on a catastrophic loss because they've not only lost the game against Coventry, they obviously lost the league. Dave, I think you coined it the best, to be fair. Um, I, I saw you tweet it out the other day and say that, that obviously you've just said it now as well, that Cardiff are a wounded animal. Um, I, I think I, I wholeheartedly think it depends on how Cardiff turn up rather than Sheffield. Cardiff turn up and be the you know the absolute machine that they've shown that they can be. Um, you know, if they're the team that show up like they did at the start of the season, beating teams six, seven, eight, nine goals, you know, Sheffield don't stand a chance. If Cardiff turn up kind of still licking the wounds from Sunday, it's Sheffield's to lose. So I'd buy, I'd put my money on Cardiff, but I, again, I could see it either way. Also, two things to mention. One, the second leg's on free sport. So should Sheffield get a good result, that should be a cracking game to watch as a neutral. And also, I'm going to throw a stat to your guys. Um, for Cardiff, if Cardiff to go through, something's got to happen that's never happened in the Elite League history when it comes to the playoffs being um, two-leg affair. And that's Sheffield to play the away game second. Every time they've not made Nottingham, they've been at home the second game. So the second leg, they've always been at home. So every time they've made it, they've, they've won a few games being home second, but predominantly when they've had the away game second, they've gone through. So if Cardiff were to do it, that would be a little bit of probably no one would give a damn type history, but it'd be something there in the uh, the 12, 12, 13, um, 12 um, previous playoffs where it's been quarterfinal two legs. Fair play. On top of that as well, you also get the stat that obviously, as you've already said, you know, earlier on in the season, Cardiff were kicked out of the Challenge Cup as one of the favourites to contest to take the silverware they were kicked out in two legs by Glasgow with a 9-8 win on aggregate for Glasgow so the stats not necessarily in Cardiff's favour as much as you might expect but it's playoff hockey anything could happen you're going to know for a fact that Bounds is going to want to pull a great game out set himself up nicely for Slovakia you're going to know for a fact that people like Matt Myers are going to pick up their game because they're going to want to pick up some silverware this season. They're going to want to carry on the run of silverware they've had for the last few years. Uh, Lingley coming in as a, a guy with KHL background, he's going to want to pick up some silverware this year. Hedden with his AHL background, same thing. They're going to have so many players that are going to fire in all cylinders to do whatever they can to get that silverware. And um, that's the thing that concerns me. As Andy says, I don't. If they're coming, if they're at the races. And if we leave Jackson Whistle out to dry quite as much as we have this season, I don't think we're going to have a leg to stand on because we can't compete against them on goal scoring. No, but I think one other thing to mention as I, before, in terms of the rivalry between Cardiff and Sheffield, everyone says it's Sheffield Nottingham, but when it comes to the silverware, over the years, it's always been Cardiff, Sheffield. The buzz either side will get for knocking the other one out of the playoffs will be something to to take with them and to, to ride the waves in Nottingham. So I, I think of all four series, I do think, and I'm not because I'm a Sheffield fan, but I think this one's going to be the, uh, the belter of all of the four series that we're going to have this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, then we move on to the next matchup, unless anybody's got anything else to add on that one. Um, we have, the sixth, sorry, well, third v sixth matchups. Obviously, we've got Nottingham against Fife. 
Um, another one, to be fair, that could go either way. But uh, what do we think to that one? I think a healthier Fife. I'd agree with you. Um, they've lost a few bodies. They've, they've been playing short for a few weeks, and they've kind of... I wonder, they've lost the mojo a little bit. They've got they've been picking up wins, but they've kind of just lost that that pesky flyer attitude, which got them a fair few wins, you know, sort of beginning and mid mid season. If they can find that by hook or by crook, who knows? Um, they did it last year, so there's nothing stopping them doing it this year. And again, the travel, it, you know, not even go up to Kakari for the first leg and come back. Um, may give. You know, five that first period on the Sunday in advantage. Small window, but you know, may give him something to 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 get into that series and hold on for dear life. Because on the other side of the coin, Nottingham have it's fair to say not been consistent all season. Um, but they gain a bit of a bit of you know good results from Monson in in between the pipes. So I, I'm not sure who I'm as much as I don't think I think Nottingham will win the series. I don't think it's going to be easy for him, and I don't think it's going to be clear cut. I think, yeah, it's probably going to be a Nottingham win. But I think it's going to be by a few goals. I think those few goals will be the ones that we've that we've scored down in Nottingham, though. Because I don't think I think it's going to be like a probably like a one goal affair in when they go up to Cardiff. And when they come down, that's when the, the Panthers will turn up fuller. I mean, going up to Kirkcaldy is a, it's a tough place to play. It's a tough atmosphere as well for certain teams. And uh, at least we all know it's their fault anyway. Just wanted to get that out there. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, especially with what we'll come, along, come on to later with the the suspension of one of their players. Yeah, I think, um, like Grass said, some of the uh, a suspension for Fife uh, and also missing a, a few key bodies as well, I think that's going to be a, a bit of a punch. Um, and Garnet and Munson are a really strong pair in this season. Uh, I can pretty much imagine Munson and Garnet starting different games so they'll, they'll both get some time on the ice. Um and I think those factors will, will be pretty much the decider. I think Nottingham will win overall, but I, I think it'll be a very, very close series. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think Fife have, have got the, the the players on on all, on all four lines to sort of get a good result out. We're in Nottingham, the pretty pretty stat really. We've got Pellini, Pither, uh, um, no, few as well, uh, Chris Stewart. And I think those players will really, really come out of shells um, in this playoff uh, series and, and they'll get a good result against Fife. It'll be a very close one. I'm going to go against the grain on this one. I, I'm going to say Fife. Um, to be fair, I mean, it's, some, it's one that I've said from the matchups all along. What are you shaking your head for, Greg? Manchester aren't in this discussion. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm going to say Fife. I, I think... Um, you know, Nottingham have uh, over the last couple of few years have uh, have had a a bad run going into playoffs, um, not making that, that playoff final weekend in their own barn. Um, in terms of stats, I mean, Fife have taken six points from the last five, so um, three wins, two losses. Same for same for Nottingham. 
Same thing. Nottingham have got that long travel day, as you say, Dave. They've got they've got the travel up to five, and then the travel back down to Nottingham. Um, that's going to be the big decider for me is the injury side of things, or the or the should we say the short man side of things for uh, for five, uh, and also how Nottingham decide to play on goalies. Nottingham for the last couple of years have, have given themselves a bit of a harder game to play in terms of how they play it with goalies. Uh, because they've got two stellar netties that on their game play, you know, a fantastic game and off their game, you know, leak goals like anything. And that's the problem. Like you look in the, um, the playoff semis, was it playoff semis last year when we played them and they started um, one, I can't remember the exact details, but you look at like, you look at some of the positions that they've been in, in terms of goalies it can almost be a bad position to be in to have two goalies and be umming and ahhing as to who to start. And that could be the issue for Nottingham. If they've got two goalies that are running hot, this how they play it is another is another problem. But I, I'm going to go with Fife. I just say it could go either way. Every single matchup, to be fair, this year, um, he's proving to be one that you know, you're going to be watching the scores for on the Sunday because they really, really could fall either side. But... Um, this is probably the most risky, risky out of the four. I would say to say five uh, out of the four pickings that I would choose. Should I say this would probably be the most risky one that I would pick? But I'd say five for the win. Uh, and then the last matchup, obviously the remaining teams that we have that have made playoffs. Sorry, Griff. Um, we have the fourth v fifth game. Uh, obviously Guildford against Glasgow. What what do we think to that to, to wrap up the playoff matchups? I think it's going to be very close. I think Glasgow have got it sorted. They're going to be travelling down um, the night before down south. They're also going to have an early skate at Milton Keynes and then head over to, to Guildford. So they're going to actually they're going to be well prepared. Um, so kind of so that kind of travel thing will be neutered down a little bit. Um, however, I think. Guildford need, I mean, Guildford need to get a couple goal lead at least to take up to Glasgow because Glasgow's home form has been, on the whole, recently very decent. Um, and I, I would suspect that Glasgow will will seal it at home. Um, you know, if if, if Glasgow, could, sorry, if Guildford could take a three four goal lead, who knows? But I suspect that I think Glasgow will be a going down to, to Nottingham in the final four. Yeah, this one for me is... I couldn't really call it. Two pretty decent teams. Um, like you said, if they can get the... If Guildford can get the three or four goal lead, then who knows? But then again, they've got to do the travel up to, to Glasgow, to the Braid Arena. That could... That's going to be a, a long trip. I think going off what I've seen on Twitter, it's like almost like half a day to get up there because that's absurd <laughs> for some for some some fans anyway that are going to make the trip up there. Um, if Clan can make it to the final four weekend, I think that. Tee up what a great season that Pete Russell's had. 
this is the one that I I can't confidently predict. Uh, could go absolutely anyway. I mean, um, Guildford at home been pretty good. Glasgow at home very good as well. Um, I think if if like I said, Guildford were to get a few goals uh, in Guildford and then head up with to uh, Glasgow with, uh, with a few goals, um, I think that'd be very ben- beneficial for them. Um, obviously they've got, they've got to travel up to Glasgow as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a very, very close one. Um, both teams have got good players. Um, I, th- I think one of the deciders for, though, is the loss of uh, Connolly for Glasgow. I mean, he's a very, very uh, consistent scorer. Uh, he's, he's one of their best players this season. And I think they may miss him, but maybe that could spur the others on to be a bit, a bit more productive than they have done uh, in this season. So generally could go either way. Uh, but again, if, if Guildford were to get a few goals at home and go up there with a bit of a lead, I think Guildford will, will progress. Yeah, I'll put my cards on the table straight away. I'm, I'm, I'll say Guildford. Um, but it is another hard one to predict. Um, Andy, as you say, Guildford of Guildford, Glasgow have got a double hit um, in terms of injuries. They've obviously lost Connolly uh, and they've also lost Jack Musil as well. Um, Musil took a, I think he took a hit or some, something along those lines. He uh, attended hospital after uh, something that happened in training. Um, so he's out as well. I, I, it's going to be a hard one. Um, as I've already said, that, that first game, you know, Glasgow having two travel days, particularly across the distance, again, could be a deciding factor. If you look at Glasgow's form, it is appalling over the last 10 games. Over the last 10 games, Glasgow have taken five points. They've lost seven from their last 10. Before their win against Fife on the sun, on the Sunday just gone, before that win, they went on a seven losing streak, seven game losing streak. Um, whether the, the, game, the win against Fife will turn them around, no, that's one possibility. Um, I, again, it's either teams to win. I, to be fair, would, would put Guildford down as one of the dark horses to, that could possibly do the playoffs. I think that I think Guildford's side is optimised for those one, two-game series. As, um, they showed it against Belfast in the Challenge Cup, pushing right until the end, pushing right up to overtime. Uh, you know the likes of Kale Akered, Ian Waters. You know they've got a stellar squad. Um, Glasgow, same. Glasgow have got a great squad, but for me, I, I, I'd go, I'd go with Guildford. Uh, but again, I'd, I, I've said it every single matchup. But again, it could fall either side. Um, but Guildford would be my pick. So just to round that up. In terms of playoff matchups, it may not be the last thing that we've got to say about playoffs as a whole. Um, Dave, I know, was it James Helliwell that asked us on Twitter who are four to make Nottingham would be? We've probably already covered it with who we've just said, but just as a formality, so I can write it down and then brag when I'm right. Um, <laughs> be nice and overly confident. Um, Dave, we'll go with you. We'll start with you. Who would be your final four to make Nottingham? Belfast, Nottingham, Glasgow. I'm going to go with my gut. 
I'm going to say Sheffield. As much as I've said that I'm not sure they can do it, I think it could happen. Gref, same question, mate. Belfast, Nottingham, Guildford, Cardiff. And Andy, mate, last but not least. Which Sims Gref, uh, Belfast, Guildford, Cardiff, and Nottingham. I'm going to go slightly different. I've got Belfast, Cardiff, Guildford, and Fife. Um, one thing I will just flick through to now, I'm just getting the stats up now, but obviously we've run a poll on Facebook and Twitter to see what you guys think um, as to who will make the, the, the playoff, the, the final four in playoffs. Uh, 85% um, thought that Belfast would beat the Blaze. This is on Facebook. I'll go over the Twitter ones afterwards. 80% thought that Sheffield would beat Cardiff, which is an outstanding figure. Um, or, <laughs> Orange Army. I don't, I don't, you, you, well, yeah, to be fair, I shared it on the Orange Army, so that may have something to do with it. But um, yeah, 80% thought Sheffield would beat Cardiff, which is a, a mesmerising number. Um, Fife, Nottingham was very close. 58% thought Fife would beat Nottingham. Uh, and then 55% thought Glasgow would beat Guildford. So that's on Facebook. And then just to pull the Twitter stats up as well. Apologies, I've just thought to do this. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm pulling them up on the fly as we go along. Whilst he's doing that, the actual possibility of the final four weekend and having a single English team in any of the fixtures. Yeah, interesting. But it, but it would also be not... I mean, that's, that's one possibility. And then the other thing is it wouldn't be completely unfeasible to have every team in Nottingham to be the bottom seed. In their matchup, yes. I mean, I mean, you wouldn't. I, I wouldn't put money against Coventry beating Belfast. Do you know it wouldn't surprise me if Sheffield beat Cardiff. I'd put my money on Cardiff, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if Sheffield got it. I, as I say, I've picked Fife and Guildford, and they're the bottom seeds out of the matchup. So you could even end up with a, a you know a final four that were all the bottom seeds in their match. So, so knowing your betting history this season, mate, do you want to put your money on Cardiff? Uh, mate, I, I'm not, we're not going to go into betting because it's not going to go well. Um, I've just got the stats up now. I said it very similar in certain aspects and, and very different in others. Um, on Twitter, 86% thought Belfast would beat Coventry. 57% thought Cardiff would beat Sheffield. So significantly different to that on Facebook. Um, 55% thought Fife would beat Nottingham. So very, very similar to that on Facebook. Uh, and then 72% thought Guildford would beat uh, Glasgow. So interesting to see how everybody else thinks it's going to go. Um, I guess the only thing we can say is we'll wait and see. Um, there's a couple of other things regarding playoffs uh, that I think are there to discuss. Um, the first thing is obviously the playoff shirts have been released now. Dave, I know that it's something oh. that you wanted to talk about, so I'm going to throw it over to you. Um let rip. Okay, so do you know? So I'm I'm all for the concept of the playoff shirts, and I appreciate that a lot of money is going to be spent on these shirts. It's going to bring in the league a lot of money. But do you know what? And the company that does the shirts can do this. Let's have a bit of originality. Let's have a bit of thought. Let's have a bit of you know creativity. Because it's not like it's the, the league's gone. Guys, we've got playoffs in five weeks. Can we get some shirts done? They'll know who's going to be in the playoffs because they have game issued for the teams that don't make it. Now, you look, there was they did a gif, the, the league, and they did every shirt. 
And it was just, it's the same template, just different colours. And I just go, honestly, guys, are we really that bland? That boring? It's like, you know, yeah. Why why chain? Why put effort when the money's going to be thrown at these shirts? I get that argument. But you know what? How nice would these shirts look? How be- There was a year that all the teams had the Challenge Cup shirts, and the, the, each Challenge Cup shirt was a lot original, a lot of design, a lot of pros. I know the, the Storm one was the purple one with the uh, the thunder around it, and the Steelers one was the blue with the... The, the, the like ghosted Steelers logo the in ghosted, the back. Yeah, and just, just even that alone, that makes the shirt more personal to that team he gives it that identity it, you know i don't think it's much to ask i i, I generally don't and I, and I appreciate that it's not easy doing all the templates changing in case of players getting injured and players being coming in etc etc i appreciate the logistics but you know who the team's going to be you're going to be flogging shirts at the end of the season you know have the time to make them a bit personal to that team i, I don't think it's much to ask it baffles me that you don't have each team like having somebody that or you know somebody capable of designing a jersey. Do you know even if like teams did like a, <laughs> you imagine if a team did like a each team did a competition amongst the fans of design the playoff jersey, and then they ran it off as a competition like Nottingham did with their Christmas jersey. But can you yes. imagine if each team did that for a playoff jersey where each team said right we're going to throw it to the fans. Design a jersey, we'll put the four best ones that we think up, and then the fans will vote on Twitter and Facebook, and then the one that wins will be the one that we submit as the design. Can you imagine if we ended up with that? You would end up with, like, eight, or, well, however many. You'd end up with completely different designs across the league. It'd, it'd be great to see the end results of the, as obviously this year, of the 11 jerseys that would be designed. Yeah. yeah. So, go on, Griff. You know what else would be great? The correct Is Manchester made well. playoffs? No, the correct spellings. I'm not just Manchester players. Like I've already sent you guys the photos of. But yeah, but at least they're not going to be teams. playing in playoffs, mate, so nobody's going to notice. True, but especially when you've got a player whose brother played in the league and they spelled his name right. Yeah, but he's going to be playing, so... <laughs> not a lot no. of back, but you know. It's just ridiculous. How that's that, going gone through like products testing as well quality, quality assured it and everything and it's like really you can definitely tell this person's name is incorrect I mean the two that you sent us were what was Earhart wasn't it was spelt without the the first H and Lindsmayer was, was spelt with a D wasn't it <laughs> yeah I, have, I haven't seen any more to be fair Moffat is as well yeah they put it with one T, and then Mate, I think you've really got it against uh, against Manchester. <laughs> a few Dundee players that I've got the incorrect spellings as well. You want to see what they did to the Kieran Long jersey? They decided to replicate that as to match it up with the uh, the Manchester season. It's, it actually says short on the back. <laughs> oh well, top British goal scorer. I'm all right with that. <laughs> I think he is as well, but he's still not playing in playoffs. No, probably play the back here though. But it's fine. Yeah. By the way, I will just say this for the podcast benefit. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't have anything against Manchester. I just love winding Greff up. <laughs> right, as, a Buffa- as a Buffalo fan as well, you can really double it up with the uh, with the playoff insults yeah. this year. For, for, the, for the, the the conversations that we have amongst in preparation for the podcast, Greff likes to give in terms of the banter, in terms of the insults. So do you know what? One week, let's just return the favour. It's fine. I return it back. 
I was just going to say, it's, it's it's not just the playoffs with these jerseys. It's the league as well. I mean, you look at the jerseys this year, the home and aways. You've got four teams that have got the same design with that stripe in the middle, then the two inner stripes as well. Coventry, Dundee, Sheffield, and Manchester have all got that same stripe in the middle. And I just think, you look at the Challenge Cup jerseys, in particular Sheffield, and how they've done the blue the orange and then the white bits in the middle. Why can't they just do a white one of that one, but just invert the colours? The same the Guildford one, just invert the colours. Why have the mid-league ones just so boring? There's just, there's just no uniqueness. There's no sort of brand. There's, there's no sort of middle image. Like, just like the um, watermark with the Steelers ones two seasons ago, the Challenge Cup. They were amazing. Why can't I just have something like that, like Nottingham have like a... Like a, like a wood background and a panther jumper out the middle, you know, you know, just something like that, just a bit of uniqueness. The jersey that you know. you've got to put those like, the, the old, the old, the old 3D glasses with one, one red, one blue lens, and you've got to put one of those on to see the 3D yeah, panther jumping out the chest. <laughs> they look like some like more animal-like version of Alien as something jumps out of the chest. Are you listening right now? Are you listening? Um. Fair play is bringing uniqueness into the into the podcast. That's a bit highbrow for us, mate. It is. We're going to put well, don't we? It's a very long word. <laughs> we're going to have to like add that to the list of words that we've got to use regularly now. Uh, yeah. I'll get a definition after this podcast. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> uniqueness, like a season where Manchester make the Nottingham playoffs. Yeah, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, um, Dave, have we got any more questions regarding playoffs? Because I know that you've you've got most of the questions. I can't remember. I think there was one more it's regarding. One more. I think one more. I think you've got that because it's it's your um, your good old man who's um, asked the question about uh, the playoff structure. Yeah. Hold on. Yes, that's. Oh, oh no, <laughs> no, not not quite, not quite. It was. Um, we actually had a, a question sent in from Adam Cookson. It was. Ah. It was fifty-fifty challenge cup playoffs. So it seems to be a good way to segue away from playoffs and onto uh, <laughs> onto the next things on the agenda. So, um, Adam says, past few podcasts we've talked about the challenge cup, making it better for the fans at the final. How to optimize that kind of that kind of route with the final? How about having a challenge cup finals weekend? And then changing the playoffs to a best of series like we see across in North America, obviously in the NHL and the like. What do we think? I know it's a very heavily discussed topic on social media. It's not something that we've touched on on the podcast. So probably a good time, but as, as good a time as any for us to touch on that. What it are is. Our um, I mean, Blair Riley um, had a healthy discussion with many people about the same thing in, in terms of having more best of series. Um, I think the one problem you've got is we mentioned earlier on in the podcast about the uniqueness of the British playoffs. But not only is it unique, what is it with this word uniqueness? (laughs) All of a sudden, (laughs) coming up, you just wanted to get that back in again, didn't you? I am, yes, mate. Absolutely. Um, Like a walking thesaurus. I won't go that far. Um, (laughs) But it's just the money that it brings into the league. It's rumored, so it's you know this is not a gospel thing, but around 400k the playoff weekend collectively. So I, I believe it could even involve the shirt, the money, in, the income that that brings in. That goes into the league. That helps the league run. That you know gives the league the you know enables it to do the training that they've started to do with the referees and the officials. So you've got to replace that. Um, if you can do, then 
if you're able to get a first round of best of three to then go best of five, I, I don't see why not. It's, it's something I'd enjoy personally. But I'll throw one thing before moving on. What's one of the things that British hockey fans whinge about, especially in the conference days? Oh, we're playing this team again. Oh, we're playing this team again. Oh, we're playing that team. We've played two weeks ago. Now you imagine them playing the best of five and you go to game five. You play that team 13 times. Does that sell? It's disgraceful. No. We play the same 10 teams all season. It's, it's awful. Do you know what I mean? But, you know, we whinge about this. And we, a lot of fans do. This is not just like one's fan base. It's a collective. We're playing this team too many times. X plays Y. And then you get them in the best of five. I just... As much as I, I, in watching different leagues around the world, enjoy the concept of best of sevens, I just don't think it's something that would work ever in the UK. As an Islanders fan, how how familiar with the concepts of a best of seven are you? Uh, I mean, we're, you're more we're, familiar than Gref, we know that. And he can't f- pick his team, so, you know. We're, we're, we're used to round one, it's just round two, it's a bit vague, you know, it's a bit of a grey cloud as to our memories of, of round two. Um yeah, but, well, let's see if Tavares has a grey cloud over uh, over round two this year. Who knows? <laughs> see, for me, I as much as how much the playoff allegedly brings in, I don't really think if you change that to the, the best of five series as an example, that that could bring in that type of money. Mainly for the fact of some of the teams in the league don't have the arena size rinks. So we don't some teams don't get in like seven thousand or eight thousand. They don't bring in those types. They bring in one and a half if that uh one and a half to like three thousand at a push. But then as a as a suggestion in terms of that, would you then change the Challenge Cup to go to a Challenge Cup weekend? And have your two semi-finals, like would be the playoffs, two semi-finals Saturday, final Sunday, maybe the third, fourth place game for the Challenge Cup. That that's basically what Adam's saying in this question. Is he what about making a, a Challenge Cup finals weekend and then best of playoff? As much as you would go on a different tangent, Gref, I think the same answer. I don't think they'd bring the money to replace it. I don't think so. I mean, I'm all for like two nights in Newcastle if they have it there. I'm all up for that. I'm pretty sure you guys would be as well. Whole gross and donuts on concourse, I can't complain. No, Newcastle, Nottingham. Yeah, I'm also uh, I'm also reliably informed that they now have crepes on uh, on concourse as well as donuts. So yeah, I'd definitely be up for it in Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds tempting just listen to that. It does, doesn't um, it? Yeah. Um I just don't think the Challenge Cup, a Challenge Cup weekend would have the same pull as it would a playoff weekend. I mean, the, the the pull is all about the end of the season, where everyone comes together, you know, they're, they're not going to see each other, you know, probably, probably for some other, unless they actually hang out. Don't, you know, you're going to make me emotional. Yeah, oh, sorry. So it's about... Got a few more games left, haven't we? Um, personally, but... Um, Ref doesn't. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's it's all about that end of season thing, you know. Uh, it's it's always been like that, you know. Uh, well, since the league, league area with the playoff finals, and it's it, it brings everyone together, you know. It, it's like a one last sort of hurrah, I, I suppose, for everyone. Um, 
and I think just location, obviously, as well, you know, everything's central, and, you know, you could go to bed whatever time you want, you're literally, like, five-minute walk away from a pub, so, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the whole pool. Are you suggesting, Andy, that people tend to go to the Nottingham weekend more for the social aspect than the actual hockey? No, I, I I heard they had good beds. I was I was I think he just goes to Nottingham to sleep. He goes to Nottingham to sleep. He goes to Belfast for the Black Cab tour. We need to figure out what, what other cities he goes to. Nottingham <laughs> have very firm mattresses, and I prefer them. Okay. I just like the way that your head went, and you could have gone, oh yeah, Nottingham's great and central, and you can go to the pub five minutes away from the rink. Instead, you went, oh, Nottingham's very central, and you can go to bed whenever you want. <laughs> just like. <laughs> If you fancy a 10-minute nap during the, uh, the, fourth, the third v. fourth game, go ahead. <laughs> and that is on the cards for us anyway, isn't it? But... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm 50-50. I, I seem to be saying that a lot today. Um, I'd love to see it go to a, a best-of series. Um, I think in order for you to see it to go to a, a best-of series, you've got to just throw logistics out the window. Uh, that, that's the only thing you can do because realistically you look at Sheffield in an arena that obviously they don't own that run concerts and things like that they've got to be able to guarantee that they can get the games in to play the best off series at the time that they need to um, I mean you look at the NHL as soon as we get to playoffs we're, we're talking a game every other, every other day and if not a game every third day so I mean can, can Sheffield really guarantee that time on the ice can you know can Nottingham really guarantee that time on the ice in the arenas that they're playing out of so logistically you've got to kind of be a bit more open-minded but if it was doable fair play Blair Riley's suggestion was to, to get, make it the top six that make playoffs um, not only would that make Greff even more unhappy as a Manchester fan it'd also make us as Steelers fans unhappy because obviously we finished ah, good uh, I, all right, all just, right. just hold on, just just save save that Back because we are actually still in playoffs. Um, <laughs> do you know what? Do you know if we get beat by Cardiff this weekend, I'm not going to hear the end of it next week from Greth. Um, but yeah, Blair Riley's suggestion is top six make playoffs with the two top teams getting the first round by. Uh, you then play obviously um, third v sixth, fifth v fourth. Um, they play each other in a best of three series. And then if you could do it, a best of five semi and a best of five final. If not, then just keep it to best of three for the semis and the best of three for the final. I like that idea. But again, it's A, the logistics of getting all the games in. B, it's the logistics of finding a weekend that will bring in the revenue that the playoffs will. You ain't going to have the Challenge Cup in April. It's not going to happen because... Come April, when particularly if you're doing it as a series for playoffs, there's going to be far too much interest in playoffs from the players and the fans to really give a you know, really give a damn about going to Nottingham to watch the Challenge Cup final or the Challenge Cup finals weekend. The focus is primarily going to be on playoffs. If you then have it in say February, great, good weekend in Feb. I'm sure we get a half decent attendance going to Nottingham for a finals weekend like that. Semis on a Saturday. Um, you know, and final on the Sunday, scrap off the third v fourth game because that's rubbish anyway. Um, but I just don't think it'd have that buzz. Um, you know, the, the playoff finals is such a great way to top off the season. Um, whether you're last place, whether you're first place, you look at the amount of times that Glasgow haven't made playoffs, and yet every single year you see a fully purpled out block 
chanting from start to finish in every single game, even when they're not there. Can you really see that happening in February for the Challenge Cup? I don't think there's as much interest generally in the league for the Challenge Cup anyway. Um, so even, you know, ideally it'd be great. It'd be good to see if it'd work. I just don't think it would. And I also think it is a bit of a USP for the Elite League, as you say, Dave. It gives us that bit more uniqueness, to use the word of the day. Um, yeah, I mean, you you look at England, we've always said it as in the... Um, you know, we have that, that football mentality in a different way to the way that the football mentality phrase is being used <laughs> at the moment. Not from a perspective of people drinking and going and being rowdy, in inverted commas, at games. But more so, That's- we have that... We have that football mentality of we want to win the league. The league's the primary object. That's the primary objective. The playoffs are then something that comes afterwards that's great to win if you can, but the focus is on the league. And I don't see the Elite League moving away from that anytime soon. So as as good as a, as good an idea as it would be to bring in that revenue, I just don't think it would happen. But I'd love to go to a best-of series in playoffs because the buzz that you get from watching NHL games even when you have to stay up until 3 a.m. to watch the NHL game, it's just, it's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. But I just I just don't think it'd work. That's the bottom line. As I say, you'd have to throw logistics well and truly out the window to even start thinking about it. But moving away from playoffs anyway, I think we've, 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 we've done playoffs about as far as we can do for the time being. More to come on playoffs next week, uh, but we'll come back to that later. Um, We'll go back to the negative side of things again. It's never nice to see bad hits thrown. It's never nice to see Dops having to stick the nose in and get involved. Once again, Andy, Dops have had to get involved. So uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about what's been going on this week and the disciplinary action that's been taken? Have indeed. Uh, and they've awarded uh, five flyers, number 92, Brett Bulmer, being suspended for three games for kneeing. Um I have seen this incident quite a few times, uh, and from the way I saw it, uh, it's Brendan Connolly who was, was on the puck. Uh, he made a pass, and he skated to, towards the middle of the ice, and he's uh, it's, it's like a charge, more of a charge, I, I think, from uh, from Bulmer, uh, going straight to him. He was trying to make a hit, uh, but he uh, started tapping the camera angle completely, but after seeing it quite a few times, uh, I did notice... Uh, a bit of movement from from Connolly. Uh, I, I do think he turned uh, or leaned to his right a little bit, but he kept his legs in the same position, so they were in the path of the uh, hit that uh, Bulma had already committed. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, made a really, really bad, nasty uh, knee-to-knee contact. Um, you could tell Brett, Brett Connolly was in a really bad state. He, he was uh, sort of uh, pointing towards... Uh, the training staff to, to, to attend to him and uh, yeah, it looked a really bad injury. Uh, obviously, it's, it's sad to see an injury like that, like that happen uh, and uh, it looks like that, that Conley is done for the season. Uh, not sure about uh, through the summer and then into the new season. Uh, it, was, it was a bad hit. Uh, he already committed, but um, I think there was time to pull out the hit once he saw the uh, leaning movement of of Connolly. Uh, I think three games is about right. Uh, my only thing with Dops is that uh, I wish they could have been this consistent with calling and, and make these calls like as quick as I've done 
with explanations uh, with other incidents uh, a few weeks ago. Um, in, in fairness, in what Andy just said, I think they ha- I think they have on the whole been quite speedy. It's, I think it's just about being able to get the resources, the people that do the work. Um, to be able to do the videos and everything. I think that's one of the problems they've had this year because I know they've changed over from uh, the two guys that used to do the media work. They've now got a, a full-time um, guy, but he also lives in mainland Europe. Um, I've, I've looked at the hit. It, it's dumb. He, he could have pulled out. Um, he, he could have prevented the hit. Um, he's also kept his leg very stationary in terms of the hits. So there's no, no fluidity about the hit. So, you know, he's had a bad contact on Connolly. It impacts the clan. It also impacts GB because he was he was selected in the uh, the last uh, cup before the uh, the final selection for Kasichi. Um, three games. Yeah, I suppose you'd go with that. Um, in all fairness, you go five, seven, nine games or however many games you want to. He plays two games and gets knocked out. He's probably not going to think, you know, I'm not going to come back to the UK. And there's no purpose in that eight plus game or however many games you'd, you'd think more than that. So, yeah, three games does a job in, in that respect. Um, he would be available for the Sunday should Fife make Nottingham. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's not a good hit, um, which is a shame. You know, you don't you don't really see them type of hits at the end of the season. You, know, you don't tend to see the the bad ones, the you know the uh, leaving the knee and the, them type of hits. You don't they're like the mid season towards the end before you get to the playoffs. It kind of dies down a bit, and then you see the higher charge hits, shall we say, in the playoffs. You don't see it at the end of the season, which is surprising. It was very surprising. Like you mentioned, it was a really dumb hit. It's late. It's like late in the season. You you make those hits. Towards the start of the season, possibly, if you're going to be that much of a of an idiot, to be to be precise. But three games, yeah, I'd say that's it's okay. I mean, as Andy mentioned, the consistency of what's occurred with the Dops incidents over the past couple of weeks. Andy on the our someone grabbing someone from behind and dragging them to the ice. The difference in one game is between them. I'm not too sure. But I think I mean uh, I I'd wish Connolly hopefully he gets better soon. I mean it's put him out for the rest of the the, well, the playoffs and more than likely he's not going to get Thank Apologies. <laughs> it's more than likely not going to be getting picked to go to Kasicha, which that's really unfortunate. Hopefully, it's not his last chance to play for either GB or any national team he's able to play for. Yeah, I feel like um, discussions on DOPS can go to a being more referred to as dops on dopes at the minute. I think some of the, the things they've been having to rule on recently has just been ridiculous. Um, silly knee-on-knee hit. Um, I just can't see any justification for it at all. Uh, you then go from the knee-on-knee hit to, um, obviously, wrestling last week. 
And then we go from wrestling last week to the Nicky Fork boarding call. I mean, three of the silliest bands that I've seen have to be given out in, in, in probably all season. And the last three incidents that have been judged on by Dops. Um, this particular incident, I think they've got three games pretty spot on. I'd have possibly seen it go up to four just so that Bulmer's season is done as well. Um Obviously, as Dave says, if they make Nottingham, then Bulmer can play, whether it be the third and fourth game or whether it be the first and second game. Um, in the, you know, obviously on the Sunday of playoffs. Either way, Bulmer could play on that Sunday if they make Nottingham. So I could have possibly seen it go to four games just to end his career, uh, end his career, <laughs> end his season even. Um, that leads me on to, in fairness, to what I was going to say is the implications for Brendan Connolly. Um, I mean, he's 33 now. You know, he's not young in terms of most of the players that we'd see in the league. A bad knee injury, that that could be a difference maker. That could be his career over. We don't know what the extent of the injury is. We know it's bad enough for him to have said it's his season done. Um, obviously, realistically, we're talking a maximum of four games missed now. If um, But... Obviously, as we said, there's implications for GB if he can't make GB and play in Slovakia. Um, But that's the big thing for me is the impact it's going to have on his career. Now, a 33-year-old coming back from a big knee injury could be a really, really tough ladder to climb. Uh, And it's a huge shame. It really, really is. I mean, Connolly's played 58 games this year. He's got 65 points. Um, You know, he's now played... Uh, 111 games in the Elite League with 138 points. So he was an absolute stud playing in the league. Obviously, great to see you know a British player putting up those kind of points. Obviously, I know he's British Canadian, but you know it's great to see a guy that's playing for GB and lacing up for GB also putting those points up in the domestic league. So it's a it's a great shame to see him go out in that way. Uh, with regards to the the actual the hit, as I say, I think three games is pretty spot on. I could have possibly seen it go to four. The one thing for me is the wrestling ruling, which I know a lot of Flyers fans have, have been bringing up on Twitter recently. The wrestling ruling really, really makes, to be fair, the last three or four decisions from Dot seem quite disproportionate just because wrestling physically put his body weight through the back of Brian McKenzie's head with a cross check. Um, I mean, the, just the intent to injure behind that action is just huge for me. Uh, and that's something that he didn't really seem to take into account, given wrestling only two games. Um, they have said in the decision on wrestling, and they also said in the decision on Bulmer, injury isn't a determining factor, but can be considered as influential means to the decision. Now, there was not really any... Um, you know, apparent injury to Brian McKenzie. Um, the flip side, obviously, we've seen the impact that he's having on Connolly. So I don't know whether they've taken that into account. But either way, for me, Wrestling should have been five or six. Um, I think three or four for Bulmer's pretty spot on. The one thing I will say is people that are using the Wrestling incident to justify Bulmer's ban being less, you need to start looking at it the other way. Because... Wrestling's ban of two games doesn't mean that Bournemouth should have only got one or two games. If anything, it's the other way around. Bournemouth's ban of three games just highlights the fact that Wrestling should have got more. But I don't think, I think less than three games would have been a bit of an injustice given the the, the huge knee-on-knee contact uh, with this hit. 
So I, I am pretty much solid on. I, I think Dops have got this one right. Uh, I just think they, they should have looked a little bit harder at the wrestling incident. Uh, but moving on from Dops, it's, as I say, it's never nice to talk about um, about the you know the bad hits of the season. We all like to see a nice open ice hit. We all like to see some nice big hits in games. But seeing a big knee on knee hit like that, it's never nice to have to talk about. So we'll draw a line under that. Uh, moving on to one thing that I wanted to discuss with you guys, uh, particularly with how close the league finished this year and the way that the league had to be decided in the end. Um, it's been another thing that's been pinged around quite a lot recently, um, similar to the playoff format as to whether we should go to a best-of series. That is how the point structure should work in the Elite League. Um, obviously, currently, it's two points for a win, whether that be in regulation, overtime or a shootout. One point for an overtime or a shootout loss, and then obviously no points for a win. For a win, no points for a loss. Um, that would make that would make it interesting, wouldn't it? Um, one of the things that's been suggested, it does happen in some leagues. I think mainly over in Europe, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But one thing that's been discussed uh, across social media has been whether or not it should move to more three points for a regulation win, two points for an overtime or a shootout win. And then one point for an overtime or a shootout loss. Just want to throw it out to you guys, see what you think. We used to have it years ago. In the Super League days, um, we used to have that, that point system. Um, and it's also a point system that you have in double IHF events, whether it's the Conti Cup, uh, the CHL, or the World Championships, going from the, the Pool A down to, um, I think it's 3A, um, to the very bottom tier. That's the structure. Um, I'll be honest with you, I don't see why. I'm, no reason why we can't go there. It makes sense. It rewards teams winning a regulation. I think sometimes we, we have teams that will hold on for dear life to go to overtime, knowing that they're going to get the same points. They don't lose out anything. Um, so I, I'd like us to go back to that. And whether it makes the, the points at the end of the season more disproportionate in terms of the gap, so be it. it it's the same for teams to win games in regulation um, to, to pick up points. I'd be all up for it. I mean, we wouldn't have gone into the playoffs this year if that was the case. Still, as you as you mentioned before we recorded this, Joe. But still, I'd I'd be all for it. I mean, as Dave mentioned before, it happened in the Super League era, and it worked perfectly fine. Minus that one season where Sheffield just like tanked the league, won everything, pretty much. I mean, I'm. Just, I'd still be all for it. Not Sheffield winning everything, but the the three points. Are you sure? A hundred percent. I think I think it's a great point. I mean, um, who would say no to more points on offer? You know, you you ask any player, any team, would you want more points? And they said, well, of course, of course. Manchester would say, yeah, it might get them into playoffs. Exactly. What? Well, not not quite. Maybe just one off, but. You know, the, yeah, it's it, it's a great point, and uh, I'm surprised it's something that I've not already looked into. Um, as I said, it it it'd be more entertaining. You know, you'd be more points uh, for for anyone to grab, whether it be through overtime or, or a win, you get the extra point. Um, yeah, it'd be really good, and uh, I think it would open the league a bit a bit more up a bit, and uh, yeah. Um, well, like Dave, I can't see any arguments against it. I think it's a good idea and probably something that they should genuinely look into. Yeah, it's um, 
something that I, I had a look at just before we started recording, and I tried to top up how many points everybody would have finished on um, if we'd have played that format this year. Um, so Belfast would have won the league outright on points. Um, they would have ended with 131 points. Cardiff would have ended on 130. So Belfast would have taken the league by a point. Um, Glasgow and Nottingham would have actually been the other way round. So Glasgow would have been third with 95 points. And then Nottingham would have been on 93. Uh, and then the league would have basically fell as it has done this year. So 19, 89 points would have gone for Guildford. Five would have been on 87, as would Sheffield. Uh, Coventry would have been on 81. Uh, Manchester would have missed out on playoffs by just one point rather than the three that they did. Uh, they'd have had 80. And then Dundee would have been on 74. And Milton Keynes would have been down on 43. Um, so I think it I think it would be a good idea. I think it would also take away some of the uncertainty that you see of, oh, how is it decided if we're equal on points? Does it go reg wins? Does it go... Um, you know, overall wins first. How how are we taking it? I think it'd remove a lot of the doubt regarding that. Um, obviously, there is still the potential for teams to be on the same points. I would I'd say it's more unlikely for teams to finish on the same points. But also, then your deciding factors would have to be either head to head or or goal difference. So I, I don't know. I I I I'd like to see it implemented just to see how it goes. I think if we were looking in like leagues like the NHL, I think you'd be seeing a lot bigger difference. I don't think that format would be implemented in the NHL just because I think it would bring a bit more um, disparity between the teams. I think you'd see the NHL as a league becoming a lot less close um, just because obviously they're playing a lot. They play more games, they play more teams. You generally see a lot more like results in the NHL go into the overtime or shootout. So, I think it'd make a lot bigger difference in the NHL than it would do in the Elite League. I just think it. I just think it'd be interesting just to see how the points would pan out in the Elite League. Um, I don't think, from a perspective, I know that from the NHL's perspective, I believe it's something that they considered doing, and I think the decision was basically made on a business kind of side of things. Of the closer it is towards the end of the season, the more tickets they're going to sell. Um, you know, the more people are going to be subscribing to Game Centre and things like that to be able to watch the games, it creates more of an interest. Whereas I think in the Elite League, I don't think it would necessarily have that same difference. I just think it'd, um, it'd pan out a bit differently. And also, it would make that 60-minute result so much more important. Um, you know, as, if you take a game to overtime and then you get the points against, say, the latter part of the season, if Belfast take a game uh, an overtime win against Dundee, you know they're laughing because they've got two points. They're not bothered about Dundee because they're not going to catch up with them. So you know, as long as they get the win overall, that you know they're not necessarily bothered about it whether it goes to overtime or not. It might lose them a regulation win at best. Uh, whereas I think in this, every sixty-minute result would would you know it would be a lot more important. But um, you know, I, I'm sure it's something that's being considered. I'm sure there's reasons behind why it's not been implemented yet. We'll just have to see if it's something that's implemented in, in the future. As I say, it's just something that I thought I've seen bounce around on Twitter a few times. Figured it was about time it came to, to the podcast to see what you guys thought. Um, just a couple of things to plug um, just before we go on to the latter couple of points on the agenda. Um, GB Women's are currently playing at the moment. Uh, they've played two games currently played today against Slovenia. They got a 4-2 loss 
against Slovenia. Uh, they beat Australia 2-1 the other day. Uh, they've got games left against Mexico, Spain and North Korea. So always good to get behind GB. It's nice to see GB women's getting a bit more exposure now. I believe, are all the games on free sports? I don't know. They are, yeah. I think one's delayed live, but they're all, at least the full games are all on show on free sport. Yeah, all all the games be on free. I mean, it's great exposure to see GB women's getting that exposure as well. Um, I watched the two periods of the Slovenia game today, uh, and it it was a good game, to be fair. Different. um, It's a different dynamic to the women's games, to the men's, just, just naturally. Um, but very, very good games to watch. Um, Cheryl Smith on the bench as well, coaching for GB, doing a stellar job coaching GB. So it's always nice to see as well, particularly as a Steelers fan, to see uh, a familiar face on the bench. Uh, but yeah, uh, just just one thing to plug. Um, if you're at a loose end or you know, you, you're sitting there and wanting to watch some hockey, um, now go over to Free Sports and see when those games are on because, you know, as I say, the Slovenia game really was an entertaining game to watch earlier. Um the other thing to plug is the Super Series uh, USA versus Canada at the Sheffield Arena, the Fly DSA. Um, my dad's actually sent in a question regarding this, um, but I think we'll postpone that until next week so we can get a little bit more info collated about it. Uh, but basically just a mention for the time being, um, just in case anybody doesn't know, Canada USA Super Series will be on at the Fly DSA Arena in Sheffield. It's the 20th of April, so it's the Saturday of the Easter weekend at seven o'clock. Um, there are, you know, there, there, there have been big names playing in the past. I believe there's been some big names that have been announced already. If memory serves me right, I believe Kevin Bieksa uh, was one of them who played for Vancouver. Uh, I'm not sure about others. I know there's been some that have been playing in the league this year, the Elite League this year, uh, but I believe. There have been a couple of other bigger names as well. But as I say, we'll bring come back to that again next week um, with a bit more detail. But definitely worth having a look. If you're free, get yourself on the Fly DSA website. See if you can see about getting tickets because it's, it's going to be a good a good game. A bit different as well to watch. A lot different. It's also a fundraiser. Um, so for the avoidance of doubt, it ain't a game in preparation for the World Championships. Um, but it's raising money for good causes. So say if you're doing nothing on the, uh, the 20th, head on down to the, to the Fly DSA arena. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, that brings the agenda to a close. I guess the next thing to ask, uh, Dave, we've got any more questions? I, I can't remember if we've exhausted the list or if we've got a we've, couple left. We've got a couple um, uh, left. Um, one from an, a previous one from Adam Cookson, so apologies when I asked it sooner. Um, and it relates to MK and is do we, as the panel, do we think the Elite League is better or worse off? With no Milton Keynes next season. I'll kick this off. Um, it's horrible to see MK go, particularly to see how great their fans have been. Um, in a sense, as I say, it's made for a better latter part of the season this year because every team's been playing for something. MK were out of the title run a long time ago, but they've still had something to play for they've given the end of the season purpose they've wanted to go out of the elite league with a bang you know and they they, they really have they've um i think they've had an effect on most people in the league i think most people will be sad to see them leave the elite league um from a perspective of how next year is going to run i have to admit i would prefer to see a 10 or a 12 team league than an 11 team league so it depends on how we were going to go next season if we were going to get another team Great, yep. 
because you know I'd have rather have kept MK. Realistically, with this NIHL A division or whatever they're going to call it, the EPL Mark II, um, I can't see, I couldn't have seen us get another team in. I don't think any team would have moved up to the Elite League from the NIHL. I know that Hull were rumoured, but Hull announced that they were going into the NIHL A division, didn't they? Uh, same for Leeds, who was another one, and same for Murrayfield as well, I think. Murrayfield was another that was rumoured to be, well that was put in the mix as to whether or not they were going to come to the Elite League. I think they're in the North Cup again. Um, I right. don't think they're in the... Unless I've got that wrong. Um, I don't think they're in the, the new top division for the NHL. Fair play. I, I'd say it's been kind of mixed as to what I've seen. But I, to be fair, I don't think we were going to get a 12 team. So realistically, from how I'd rather it go as to 12 or 10... I don't want to say it's a good thing for the leagues. I don't want to see MK go, but I, I think a 10-team league would be better than an 11-team league just because I just think it makes it so much more awkward having an odd number of teams. I I agree with Joe on that one. As said, it is the, a team leave the league. A team with a, a great set of fans as MK are. It's 10 teams. It makes it more equal more even, more even in this in that kind of way I mean I'm looking forward to see what's going to happen over the summer with the conferences and all that it'd be interesting I don't really see any other teams coming through and I think the Murrayfield one I think they're just going to the Northern Cup and the NHL it would have been great to see Hull Pirates in the league. Obviously, they've said they're going to be in the EIH, the Elite, say the EPL Mark II, as we were calling it then, as well as Leeds. And then, obviously, the rest of us, the rest of the teams that were in the EPL before it disbanded. I mean, that's really fair. I'm looking forward to it. I hate to see teams leave the league. But these things happen. It's financials getting in the way. So hopefully we'll see him in the league again one day. It'll be great to see him. Yeah, um, obviously just good to see him leave. I mean, uh, I know the, the majority of problems are being uh, off the ice with management uh, rather than on the ice itself. But um Sad to see him go, and it, it was really nice to uh, see him score a goal against Sheffield in, in their last game. Uh, the atmosphere in in that barn was almost like they'd, they'd, they'd won the game. It was a massive cheer for that goal, and also the Steelers fans cheering as well, uh, chanting chanting okay, chant as well. At, at the end, that was really really fitting. Um, but I think the league is better off having ten teams at the moment. Uh, I don't think eleven is is eleven is a bit, a, a bit of an odd number, isn't it really? Uh, for a league structure, and uh, I think if we're, if we're going to bring teams in, it will be uh, probably next season, next summer, rather than this year. Uh, there'd be no point in bringing one team back in to make it back to 11, it'd make more sense to make it 12. So, if, if, if we're going to bring two more teams in, I think it'd be at least, at least another year or two uh, if that were to happen. But yeah, I, I do think the league is, is better off structure wise having an even amount of teams and I think 10 is about right for now. It'd be nice to see MK back. I hope they are back. Uh, 
Michelle, we've, we've been through, we've been in a number of years. We've, we've seen London Racers go, we've seen Newcastle Vipers go. We've seen many teams that we really want to see back in this league. Hopefully one day they will be back. But until then, um, yeah, if, if they're seeing back, hopefully someday they will be. Yeah, I think you've covered all the points that I would have raised. Well, the fans have been fantastic. The fans have been a bit of a, a bit of a you know revelation to the league. They really have uh, freshened things up in that respect. But in terms of logistics, eleven proved um, to not work. As well as also when you if you think to the final league day of the season, all teams should be playing. And you had this in a way it didn't happen. Um, so. Going down to 10 is better. Sad that we lose Milton Keynes, but um, hopefully, you know, in two, three, four years' time, they come back because um, it's a great venue to go to. So it's a lovely little rink uh, down at Milton Keynes. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think we all agree that, you know, we'll miss the fans and we'll miss the team. But logistically, it makes a bit more sense to go back to either 10 or 12. Um, another question from Craig Dave. Thank you very much. Um, What's the best routes when picking a team? So it's obviously looking for the new season. Do you go Britnet Minder as your starter, or do you go down the import route? Now, the logic he offers in respect to where he goes is that with 14 import slots available, use one of them for a, a steady uh, starter import to, get, to allow yourself, in his mind, the best chance of, of winning more games than loss. Guys, what, what do you think to that? I think... Unless you can get like the likes of Ben Bounds or Jackson Whistle, import netminder is the way forward. I mean, having a backup British netminder is great to have, but for your starting goaler, I would say an import. Yeah, um, I, I, think, I think I agree as well. I mean, uh... We're lucky enough to see some really good net, some really good British net miners over the years now. Uh, Stephen Lyle, uh, Stephen Murphy, currently Jackson Whistle and Ben Bounds as well. Um, There's just not not that high caliber uh, really many of those GB goals at the moment. Hopefully there will be in a few years. So given the chance, given the more experience, um, a bit more better structure, so that enables them to come to a, a really good standard and be able to. Start games in the elite league—that'd be great to see. I'm really good for the GB program as well, but for the moment, definitely important minder. Uh, just on the basis that there's not many experienced uh, British goalies out there at the moment. Like I said, hopefully in a few years that were different, but for now, import goalie. Yeah, it's a difficult one. We're not exactly inundated with a big pool of uh, of British netminders. That's the problem. Uh, if you can get Ben Bounds or Jackson Whistle, great. To be fair, I personally would rather be going with an import netminder next year. I think the Whistles were both signing a two-year deal in Sheffield. Um, so I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure that, that rings a bell. Um, I would personally rather go down an import route next year. Um, but I see the logic behind a Brit netminder. If we had a lot more Brit netminders available, then obviously it would be favourable to get a Brit in goal so that it gives you an extra import slot out. Um, but, you know, that's in an ideal world. We, we basically, we've got two starting quality netminders that are British at the moment. And, you know, as I say, 
Ben Bounds doesn't look like he's going to leave Cardiff anytime soon. Um, Whistle, I, I think he's either going to go back to Sheffield or he's going to go out to Europe. So, I don't know. I, for me, Brit, if possible, but only if you can get one of those two. But as I say, even as a Steelers fan, I'd rather go down an import route next year rather than Whistle. Nothing against Whistle, just that's the way I'd rather go. So you're going to select Matt Climber? I liked Climby. I'd have kept Climby. Um, if I'm if I'm perfectly honest, if I was going to choose a goalie from within the league this year, I'd choose Killeen. I think I think Killeen's been stellar. Um, that that would genuinely be the way that I'd go. I, I, that's, a, that's a fair shout. That in fairness, in terms of the goalies that's been in the league, myself, I you go with the, with. What what your guys have said in terms of you've only got the two um, netminders who are of a starting standard, and I I remember a, a quote from from a uh, coach who's who's now in Europe where he he was because of the system we have in the UK in terms of how the leagues the be on end all he'd rather go with a sixty seventy percent import netminder than a hundred percent Brit netminder because of the you know, the pressures of having to win the league um, because you know now how do you go down the playoff system where you can afford to give your starting net mind a rest great but as that's not going to happen for a fair while if ever at all you got to go for what's best what's best for you your budget well, I, well I'd go if, if I'd, I'd go the Brit route if you get Ben Bounds or Jackson Whistle I'd go there and then have you know up, up, up to 40 because you don't have to fill them off of course but up to 14 decent top-end imports that theoretically should give your side the best shot of, uh, of winning games. There's also the two, the, the two starting quality netminders as well that, that seem to be creeping in to the Elite League. You see more teams now signing three netties. Um, like when we when, when the Steelers had Whistle and Climby, obviously the Panthers, um, the two main starters, obviously Munson and, and Garnet. Did it last year as well with uh, Galbraith and Garnet. Obviously, Belfast did it with uh, Whistle and Murphy uh, last year. And to be fair, I still got it with, with uh, Murphy and Besco. Um, so I, I think three goalies, like the three goalie system is starting to creep its way into the Elite League a little more. Obviously, it's even more preferable if you can get one Brit and one import, particularly just from a perspective of if you've got your import netty starting you can put your Brit starting quality netminder on the bench, which which gives you obviously a bit more of an advantage if you need to swap netties. But I think it returns back to the days of the the Super League where you had two starting netminders, and like what you got with the NHL where you've got in essence two starting netminders. I know one gets more hammer than the other, but you have that level of netminding which then you know it gives the fans um, the opportunity to see a team with all their players at full as full potential possible you've not got a goal that's flogged by end of, end of February because they've played every single game so I, I'd like to see the league go to that and even if you know clubs like hang on, let's just say Dundee take a punt on one of the top end Scottish talents let's just say there's a goalie that's doing the rounds in the SNL that really is catching the eye drag him in you know give him 10-15 games because you know if you, whatever your team's pressures are some teams are to at the playoffs some teams are to win the league and if you can use your the pressure what your team's expected of to do something like bring a guy 
young young goalie, give him 15 starts and let him see if he's good enough. Then, you know, let, let's have that. Instead of just a guy, I mean, all respect to all the backups in the Elite League at the moment, there's, the vast majority of them are there to open the doors. Does them no favours. Does them nothing at all. Let them, you know, they need to play. Goalies need to play. You can train and, and you can do drills and you can face shots as much as you want in, you know, in the week. But to, when it comes to game day, you've got to get the time. In, in getting used to all, all the permutations. So I'd like to see us move to two starting net miners or two net miners who can start. You know, and, and I think we'll then have a better product. And us as fans, we'll see a better game. Yeah, definitely. I, it's, the problem is it's always going to be limited whilst we've only got two starting quality net miners in. So it's, it's more of a idealistic question I guess in a way of if there's more than those two available but it's uh, yeah no absolutely um, have we got any other questions Dave or was that the last question that we that got? was the last question thank you f- to everyone who has um, sent in questions this week yeah absolutely Um, we'll put it out there again if you've got any other questions uh, please do get in touch with us and let us know Obviously on Twitter it's at MFZ Podcast. On Facebook it's My Fancy Zamboni Podcast. Um, you know, by all means, give us a share, give us a retweet. Um, it's nice to get out there and obviously try and build up more and more people listening. Um, but on top of that, if you've got any questions or if you've got any feedback for us, please do let us know either way. We'd like to hear what you guys are thinking. Um, the questions give us things to think about that we don't think about between the four of us. Uh, so by all means, get on touch in touch on either of those. In addition, um, you know, we've had a few polls recently and things like that. So well, there will be a few more going up as we get to the, you know, the playoff finals weekend. Keep your eyes out for that as well. And we'll also be looking next week at doing some kind of playoff spectacular or playoff special <laughs> episode. Probably not use the word spectacular because that kind of uh, sets us up for a fall. But yeah, um, that yeah, expects we'll be... us to be on top four for whatever time of the day during the playoff weekend and. Uh, I'm not sure there's a guarantee that any time of the weekend that we'll be on top form. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yes, yeah, we, we will be looking at doing some kind of playoff special. Uh, so keep your eyes out on that as well. Uh, more than likely, we won't be doing a recording as usual. So it probably won't be going out on a Friday as normal. But keep your eyes out. We will be updating on Twitter and Facebook when we know what we're going to be doing. Uh, so keep your eyes out on there. Uh, and as I say, send any questions that you've got as well. Um, but the last thing on the agenda that I've got is the predictions. Um, so nice and easy, four games a day, eight games in total. I've just put my pen down, so I'm going to pick it back up again. Um, we're going the same order, Andy, Gref, Dave, and then me. Guildford, Glasgow, uh, in Guildford. What do we think, Andy? Uh, Guildford. Guildford. Guildford by one. Guildford, so that's full for Guildford. That's a full house. Full house. Sorry, got hiccups there. Um, second game: Belfast v Coventry in Belfast. 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 Belfast by three. And Belfast again. Um, Sheffield v Cardiff in Sheffield. Cardiff. Cardiff. Sheffield. I'm going to say Sheffield for the first leg. Uh, Fife, Nottingham in Fife. Nottingham. Ma- Nottingham. Fife. I'm going to go Nottingham. Um, Sunday, we've got Nottingham, Fife. 
in Nottingham again. Yeah, sorry, Nottingham. in Nottingham again, in Nottingham. <laughs> I'll see you. <laughs> yeah, Nottingham. Nottingham. And I'm going to say five for now. And we've got Coventry, Belfast, in Coventry. Belfast. Belfast. I'm going to say Coventry to win, but not enough to overturn the uh, first leg deficit. Okay, and I'm going to say Belfast as well. Um, Cardiff, Sheffield, in Cardiff. 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 Again, I'm going to say the home team to win, but not enough to overturn the first leg. I'm going to say Cardiff as well, so full house for Cardiff. Last game, Glasgow versus Guildford in Glasgow. Glasgow, but again, not enough to, to win the series. Yeah, Glasgow. Glasgow and to win the series. Uh, I'd say Guildford. Um, so that brings the predictions to end. Um, we have... One last thing to add just before we finish the podcast. I'll throw it over to Andy. We've got a bit of a good news kind of story to to end the podcast on. Yeah, since it's uh, 34 minutes past one on a Friday morning, I'll call it a feel-good Friday moment. Um, Two years ago... Don't forget uh, the hashtag. Oh, yeah. Hashtag feel-good Friday. There you go. There you go. Friend on Twitter. Um, Thank you. And yeah, Facebook. You can use trends on Facebook as well now. Thank you very oh, as much. Well, as well, yeah, yeah. Pinterest, whatever. Get in the social media game, Andrew. <laughs> Might not be able to use hashtags on Tinder, but you can use them on Facebook and Twitter. Wow, okay. It's, it's, it's from a bio, shall I? Okay. Um, yeah, two years ago, um, I believe really, unfortunately this happened with a former NHLer, uh, Craig Cunningham, uh, who had just been sent down from uh, the Arizona Coyotes to the AHL affiliate, the Tucson Roadrunners. Uh, unfortunately, uh, during the game, uh, he suffered a heart attack and uh, was pretty much dead for for a good 20-so minutes. Um, there is a documentary about it uh, on Facebook. It's under ESPN, and it's called Life Over Limb. It's a really good documentary, just a mini-documentary. Uh, it's, it's really... It is sad, but also interesting as well. Uh, see how he did afterwards. Um, unfortunately, Craig, um, with his with, with his attack, um, he developed an infection uh, in his uh, left leg, which meant uh, he had to have it amputated. Um, uh, but he, he was still determined, you know. After a few months, he, he wanted to get back on the ice, and he did so. He had his prosthetic leg uh, in a normal in a normal skate boot, um, and of course he, he was struggling, of course, but uh, he didn't quite find that comfortable, and he wanted to, you know, try a different sort of way of doing things. And the video has arose this week of him again with with a prosthetic limb, but on the end of that was a skate holder and and uh, a blade in it, and it, he was skating like before the incident happened. And it's amazing to see that happen, you know, the uh, not just the, the amazing seeing back on the ice, you know, being himself again, being like he was before the incident, but the engineering, the creativity of the person who uh, who, who made that prosthetic limb for him with the skate holder and blade in it is, is amazing. And 
he was doing crossovers. He, he was turning like like you know he he had his leg back. It was amazing. So it's a fantastic moment for him. Uh, obviously, we wish Craig uh, further success uh, in the hope. Hopefully, maybe even get back in talk again uh, full time. Uh, be great to see. Yeah, certainly. What the video is, uh, is is quite spectacular. Seeing him skate, I mean, he's skating better than I could dream of skating in my life. Um, and that's with a that's with a prosthetic limb. So that's it. Really, really is unbelievable. I saw it on. Um, I think it was spitting chicklet social media that I saw it on. I think this video is going around on social media on a few different platforms. So by all means, keep your eyes out for that. Um, it really, really is a, a spectacle to watch. And uh, as Andy, as you say, we can only wish Craig all the best because it's uh, it's fantastic to see somebody that's that's suffered such dire consequences, that dire situation as that, to come back and, and bring something out of it like that is um, is fantastic to see. When you have this time of the year where teams are devastated by missing out on the playoffs and stuff like that, and you just see these type of stories, um, and there's been a couple, it just it just makes you it makes you reminds you why you love the game. Um, you know, I know other sports do the same and have this same attitude that, but just these stories, you know, it, it just shows if you put your mind and the willingness to do what you want to do, you can achieve it. And uh, you know, fair play to the kid, and uh, long, long may his progress continue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, well, then that brings the podcast to a close for the day. Um, so that's episode 28 over and done with. As I say, keep your eye out for details regarding what we're going to do with this, the playoff special. Um, we'll not use the word spectacular. Um, so, but for now, as I say, keep your eyes on social media at MSF Podcast on Twitter, My Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook. Please do give us a like, give us a retweet, give us a share. We do want to get more and more people listening. Uh, it should hopefully then build us up to be able to get more content as well. Um, so, yeah, but for now, thank you very much, Andy. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Gref. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you very much, sir. Gref, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Joe. It was Enjoy nice to uh, still be awake. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's very nice to see you still awake, mate. You can uh, you can sleep in over the weekend. You're not going to need to stay up late for any hockey games. Yeah, you're about right, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dave, thank you very much. Just a quick question before I say thanks. Is it true Manchester didn't make the playoffs? Can we just have a clarification? It's a rumour that's going on. That, you know, <laughs> we need a bit more exposure. United. But, but, but joking aside, it's been like the end, end of term series um, of this podcast. But thank you very much, Joe, Gref and Andy. And, and to everyone who's listened in, um, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Yeah, echo exactly what everybody else has said. Thank you to everybody that's listening. Thank you, guys. Um, but yeah, thank you for another episode of My Fancy Zamboni. Thanks a lot. <laughs>